Voice of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This Sunday, January 8th, we celebrate Epiphany and learn how we can train ourselves to witness and see epiphanies all around us. Well, good morning. Uh, I, I have to explain a little bit uh, to our friends from Well of Hope why I wear this shirt. Uh, I am a Packers fan. I grew up in Iowa, so then you just have your pick of any pro team, right? Uh, so I like to kind of razz these Denver people here, the Bronco fans. Now, I've been quiet the last two months True. because I was with you all because we were both doing horribly as a team. But then there was a Christmas miracle, and if the Packers win tonight, they're in the playoffs, and then it's the Super Bowl. So we... And if they lose tonight, uh, maybe I'll take a week of mourning. I don't know. Uh, so I want to give a little peek behind the curtain a little bit about sermon writing, uh, because what you're going to get today is very interesting, because I don't know what you're going to get just yet, because uh, during the week, you have an idea of what the sermon's going to be, the topic and everything. And I was doing that, and then this morning I usually wake up pretty early to kind of work on things again, and then I started realizing this isn't working. And then I wrote something else, and then I got to church today, and I was like, that's not working either. So we're going to figure out on our own together where we're going. Now, there's pieces that fit and everything, but we'll, we'll kind of uh, make our way through together. But first, uh, I want to give kind of an observation. Um, not that. Okay. So, to me, life doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense. Because we're on a planet right now, and you think you're in America, but zoom out, right? You zoom out and you see the big space rock in space that we're hurling through nothingness at, I don't if there's any science people, it's an incredible speed we're moving at, right? And this means that in this infinite nothingness, and the infinite nothingness is expanding, which means it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That makes no sense. That nothingness is getting bigger. And we all act normal about it. We're like, yeah, that's what it is. Like, oh, everything's just made of molecules, right? We kind of just accept that. We learned that at one point. We're like, yeah, everything's made of molecules. I won't ever remember that. It makes no sense. These molecules know they're molecules. You and I are made of molecules. This podium is made of molecules. And while I've been talking, this podium's molecules have gone into me. My molecules have gone into this. But then when I take my hand and make these molecules hit this molecules, they don't go through each other. That doesn't make any sense, okay? Doesn't make sense. And then the, the reason that science gives for that is we don't know, which makes no sense once again. Makes no sense. That's, that's a little bit of a, a comedy bit from Pete Holmes in a stand-up special he has, pointing out kind of the absurdity of life. The absurdity of everything we know, we kind of only can conceive of the things we see. But if we have enough curiosity, if we have enough seeking, we can learn these things. And then our 
our viewpoint, our worldview gets a little bit bigger. And so I think there's, there's two characters in the story that was read today. Uh, and we're going to focus on each one of them about how, how they view things. But epiphany uh, means a couple different things. It can mean many different things. This was Friday. It was epiphany. Today is Epiphany Sunday or Three Kings Sunday, as other people call it, the Feast of Three Kings. Uh, but epiphany can mean manifestation, revelation, appearance, insight, enlightenment, shining forth. Pastor Don used that term a little bit ago, talking about epiphany, that it's shining forth, showing us the way. Because three kings that we think about in this story today, which kings is, see, I'm going to go back now. Oh, go back. Kings is probably the worst translation of these three outsiders that come and visit the baby Jesus. Magi is the better one, which our word magic comes from. But that gets us a little weird. So like, are they magicians? And no, they're astrologers type of, just very wise people. That's why we also call them the wise men. But I'm more concerned about what they represent than, than figuring out exactly what their names are. So epiphany, shining forth. Some could say, in that bit we did earlier about talking about how nothing makes sense, that this is made of molecules, I'm made of molecules, that that's kind of an awe and wonder view of things, that you're just in awe of the craziness of the world, the craziness of all of creation. Maybe that could be called an epiphany, that whole set. It's an epiphany of something bigger than yourself, of, of seeing what's really going on behind the curtain. Epiphanies aren't of our making. They are something we can't control. They just happen. Maybe you're thinking in your head right now of a moment in your own life where something has happened. You can't really explain it. It's one of those things that you say, I had to, you had to have been there. I can't really explain it. It was an experience. It was something was revealed to me. Something appeared to me. I got an insight I didn't see before. I was enlightened to something new. Something was shining forth before me. Now, the Magi, they, they followed this star, right? That's the big part of the story. They followed the star to Jesus. And if we, we have to understand what the star means, first of all, to help us understand the story a little bit better. The star, in Roman context, was the Julian star. And the Julian star, everyone in the culture knew that Julius Caesar was recognized as a, as a divine figure. Right? And when a star appeared in the sky after Caesar's death, that would prove that that Caesar was divine. And so they're playing with this idea a little bit. The scripture is that this star is leading them to a baby that is born, showing a divinity, this new king, this king for all people. All people, because the, the magi are outsiders. By any definition, they're, by our definitions today, they weren't in it. They weren't part of the Jewish culture. They weren't Bible-believing Christians, because that wasn't around then. They were outsiders. Maybe in our terms today, we could maybe just put a label on them called secular, right? And they came to celebrate this new king. So they followed the star. The star was their epiphany. It was shining forth to show them this new baby. Now, 
we're going to move over to Herod a little bit. Herod, we like to make him out to be a really bad guy because we like good guys and bad guys in our stories. But up until this point, Herod was a relatively good guy, right? He was somebody who believed the scriptures. He quoted scriptures. But when he started to hear about this new king of the Jews, he circled the wagons, right? He started asking these magi when they came into town, you know what, just tell me, come back here and report to me when you find him. Uh, and it was good of the magi to kind of be suspicious of that. Because the problem in our world, when we talk about epiphany of seeing a new way or, or revealed something to us, our natural tendency as humans is to circle the wagons. If something, if something pushes us, if something challenges us, we tend to just be like, no, I know what I know. We push it off. We circle the wagons and we wait until the threat is gone. I think this is what Herod is doing. He's acting out of self-preservation. He's going to do whatever he can to hold on to his power because this little baby that he knows has come from Scripture, he quoted the Scriptures, is threatening his role and his place in the world. So he would even go towards murder to save his own power. So Herod is circling those wagons and self-preservation. I think we do that a lot too. Whenever things feel different to us or change or something challenges us, we kind of dig in our heels instead of expanding and, and listening to an epiphany to see something differently. I like this quote. Comedy must be a theme in this today's sermon, but I like this quote from George Carlin. Have you ever noticed that anybody driving slower than you is an idiot and anyone going faster than you is a maniac? Because it's all about self-preservation. You're thinking about yourself all the time. And of course that person is an idiot because they're driving slow and that person is crazy because they're driving past you because you're going the right speed. Neither of those people are going the right speed. So Herod, in, in seeking to control because he's self-preserving, that's what he's seeking to do. And the Magi are seeking something different. They're seeking something that is an epiphany. They're seeking with curiosity to find true power within this powerless baby. And so have, have any of us... Uh, you all laugh because I assume you've all found yourself in this position where uh, you think the problem is always with other people, right? But we hardly ever want to look at ourselves and look within and challenge ourselves to think about something different. Maybe how our structures that we believe in or the things we're a part of maybe can be part of the problem. Now I think thinking about this problem we have, Maybe a solution is to kind of think outside of ourselves a little bit more. Our default settings as humans is to just kind of coast, go on to autopilot, that we're just kind of doing what we need to do. Whenever we do silent reflections here in church, that's supposed to be a time where we actually sit with something and think about it for a while because in our culture, we keep moving from one thing to the next and we get on autopilot mode. And all of a sudden, for some people, they have an epiphany that 
disrupts all of that. But this is our default setting. We're just kind of coasting down the hill in our brains and how to train ourselves to see epiphany because since epiphany doesn't, we don't create it, it just happens to us, then we need to train ourselves more into how do we see it? How do we look for it? In a couple of weeks, we're gonna do a series based off of our values of hope. And one of those values we have is uh, find the sacred in the ordinary. And that's one of those disciplines for us to train ourselves to see epiphany, to see sacred when it breaks through the ordinary. There's a, a guy named David McRaney, and he talks about the brain and, and how it works and how we can change our minds about things, but how difficult it is. He says, when the brain is confronted with novel information that generates cognitive dissonance, we tend to assuage the that conflict by either updating our interpretations, information, or updating the models of reality that we generate to make sense of it. So either you try and stuff it in and fit your framework, or you start building another framework on top of that to understand things better. Many of us have probably said the phrase before, well, that's not my experience. How many of us have uttered that phrase before? Yeah. Well, it's not your experience, and that's the point, right? To hear somebody else's experience is giving you a new perspective, a new way of looking at things, a new way of understanding. Because we get so caught up in our own heads, our little kingdoms up in here, like Herod, that then in turn influences how we live in the world, how we treat others, how we understand each other. So we got to think more broadly, train ourselves to see these epiphany moments to help us be part of this reality of God that continues to unfold in our world. So I think there's a way we could do this. We, our experiences influence how we see the world, but we can reframe that stuff to help us be better open to new things. And Gregory Spencer says, I believe we all need to reframe our stories, at least parts of them, in order to heal, to discard lies, to move from partial truths to richer, fuller explanations, to see our lives as God sees them. In my own life, I think one of the things that has helped me is, is uh, therapy. And I've said this before in a sermon where uh, in seminary, one of my professors, my pastoral care professor said, once you get into ministry, pay somebody to listen to you. Basically saying, get therapy all the time. And therapy helps you understand why you do the things you do, why you have certain, why you react certain ways to certain things. Because maybe there was a wound there from before that you haven't thought about. But once you start, it's hard to look at those wounds and acknowledge them. But once you start doing that, you begin to heal. You move on from those partial truths to a richer, fuller, bigger explanation of the world and the universe. Herod was attending to his own wound of wanting to be important and in control and have power. The Magi were letting, putting that all aside and seeking and being curious and humble to see what this new thing is. I think one of the core things for us 
to be able to open ourselves to epiphany is to have a curiosity to cultivate our empathy and to cultivate our awe. Sometimes our, the awe is one of those important things right now I think we lose because we have so much information at our fingertips at all times, right? Whereas sometimes back before smartphones or internet, that if you didn't know something, you'd probably just have to sit there and be like, I wonder, I wonder, I, I don't know the answer, but I, I wonder about that. There's kind of an honest to that, right? But when we get to know everything or we think we get the answer we want, there's not as much awe there. So cultivating these three things in us, I think is gonna be important to help us see the world more like the Magi did rather than Herod. So who are you right now, do you think, in your own life? Are you seeing the world more like Herod, or are you more like the Magi? Because once we start entering that world of curiosity, empathy, and awe, it helps open us up more and train us to have an epiphany, to, to see something a way we didn't before. And I think that helps this world be a better place. I think that helps to unfold the reality of God here and now, to bring heaven to earth now. I don't know what the next slides are. We'll see. All right. All right. Okay. Epiphany may not change everyone's mind. We may have an epiphany moment, but the people around us saw it way differently. But that's because we're training ourselves to see it. It may not change everyone's mind, but it does encourage to realize that change is possible. Maybe you had an epiphany once, maybe a moment that, that things became clear. It didn't change your mind so much, but it, it made you think a little bit harder. And the epiphanies cast the light that we need to see the way. To see the way as we continue in this life, to live the greatest commandment of all that we talk about here a lot, to love God with everything we have and to love our neighbor as ourself. And the epiphany calls us to pay attention and participate in the widening circle of the light of the world. The Magi represent this widening of this new child that is coming that is including all people rather than just a certain group of people. And that should be our lives too. That these epiphanies, these moments, we're letting God work in our own hearts to widen our circle of light in the world. So epiphanies are guiding stars on a longer journey toward healing, liberation, and peace. Both in you, in me, in the world, and in others. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.